Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackethman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined as always by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing today? So, Amber, are you excited to be a mom? <laughs> yes, today is my last day, and then on Monday, I start maternity leave for five months. I'll be back in September. Super excited, new chapter. Uh, great timing, you know, spring, summer, baby. I'm all about it. We'll miss you while you're on leave, but we'll look forward to welcoming you back in September. But we're, we're going to go out with a bang. we got an amazing guest. we got the new IEDC president, Nathan Oley, joining us today. Yeah, we really lucked out with Nathan agreeing to come on and give us, you know, his preliminary thoughts about joining the organization. I believe he's only five weeks in, so he's getting his bearings and he's got so many ideas and really impassioned about a lot of his initiatives. So I think it's going to be a great treat for our listeners to kind of be introduced to Nathan. Um, so I think without further ado, let's dial him in. Let's bring in the new face of IEDC. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from Washington, D.C., the new IEDC president, Nathan Oley. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Great to have you on the show. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your career prior to joining IEDC? Yeah, so first of all, uh, I've been at IEDC for about five weeks now, so still relatively new to the organization, but I've known IEDC for a long time. Previous to this, I ran a national nonprofit called the Rural Community Assistance Partnership, where we work with rural and tribal communities in every state and territory across the United States on a host of, of programming, including economic development and entrepreneurship, but also uh, in the infrastructure uh, like water access, wastewater access, uh, and broadband. So spent about four and a half years at RCAP, working across the country in these issues, um, but I also have a, a deep experience in economic development, both at the federal and the state level. So I worked at the U.S. Economic Development Administration, which is part of the U.S. Department of Commerce, uh, for about three and a half years at the end of the Obama administration, helping to run all of the policy and external affairs and engagement for the agency, and spent a little over five years uh, in the state of Michigan, which is my home state, working at the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, where I helped to run three different statewide economic development boards from a variety of, of, of ways of thinking about economic development, from your typical incentive programs uh, to CDBG and brownfield redevelopment to business plan competitions, trying to drive venture capital and other investments into the state and utilizing universities to, technology, to, to accelerate technology adoption uh, in the state. So uh, I've got experience both at the state and, and federal level, but also here in the nonprofit uh, and, and national nonprofit focus around economic development. Perfect. And what, what ultimately led you to decide to kind of apply for the the, new, the IDC president role? What attracted you to the position? And and uh, talk about the process of, of uh, the application process and, get, and ultimately getting the job. Yes, I've known the IDC for a long time, way back in my days in Michigan, all the way through working very closely with IDC, both at my time at USEDA and then at RCAP. 
I've known Jeff Finkel, uh, who's my predecessor uh, for a long time. And Jeff obviously uh, has been doing amazing work and helping to lead the IEDC for decades now. When I was at RCAP, uh, I honestly loved the work that I was doing, loved the organization and, and loved the opportunity that it provided, not just for me, but for the communities that we served and uh, really had, had no desire to leave. But when Jeff announced his retirement uh, and I had a couple additional conversation with folks through the process, this is an organization I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to pursue. Uh, IEDC has such a long and storied history around economic development and being a true leader and thought, thought leader in this space. And economic development is always what I have loved the most. It's what uh, get, excites me in the morning about providing economic opportunities, especially in communities uh, that, are, that are underserved, but also the opportunity to think not just domestically here in the United States, but also internationally about how we lead conversations around economic development it's just such a unique opportunity and one that, that I was just really excited to, to you know, potentially have the opportunity to engage with. And so I went through the process uh, and working with the board and the search committee for the board uh, really just became incredibly excited about the work and the opportunity ahead for the organization. The people in the organization, the membership and the communities that we all collectively serve are all committed to this work. And for me, my two biggest areas of focus on any job that I might have is number one, is it mission oriented, which IDC clearly is. And also are the people engaged in the work, passionate about the work. And there is no doubt that, that the team at IDC, the board, and certainly the members across the country and, and internationally are all deeply committed to this work. And so it was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up. Thank you, Nathan. And thank you again for joining us. This is Amber. Um, I kind of have a hard question because, you know, the, there's so much unpredictability in this world and the uh, how technology advances. But I'm curious where you see IEDC, what the future holds. What would you kind of like to see for the organization in the next five, say, 10 years? Well, I'll start by saying that, you know, no one really knows what the future holds. If anything, the, the last two years have taught us that you have to be able to adapt, uh, pivot, and really make sure that you can address the needs of those that you're trying to serve. So from IDC's perspective, that is our members and the communities that those members serve. I think the economic development field, quite frankly, is at uh, a point in time where we're going to start to see new conversations start to evolve about where the future of economic development lies and how do we make sure that we're driving equitable economic outcomes, not just here in the United States, but across the world. I think IDC has a really unique opportunity to lead those conversations, to be at the front end of those conversations, to make sure that not only the, the training that we provide and certification opportunities that are available, but also the thought leadership, the policy focus, and the engagement that we're doing with communities, with other partners across the spectrum, and internationally are more proactive, more engaging, uh, and also have a specific focus on driving those equitable economic outcomes. We want to make sure that no community is left behind in these conversations, that we're designing and driving outcomes, programs, and funding that aligns with the needs of communities, that we bring the voices of those communities to the table and ensure that whatever we're doing and whatever we're trying to push forward is focused specifically on communities, on our members, and on the economic development field writ large. Five and ten years from now, I can't tell you what that means. What I will tell you is we will absolutely be uh, an organization that is engaging, that is collaborative, that builds partnerships that are going to benefit the communities and the members that we serve, and that we're going to be proactive in that engagement, that we're going to be 
on the, on the leading edge of this thought leadership around the future of economic development, that we're going to be inclusive in the way that we do that, that we're going to make sure that we're hearing from communities of all sizes, uh, in all uh, locales, and certainly internationally, and building partnerships that help to, to further grow the field, make sure that we're driving younger people into the field, and also making sure that those voices of, the, of young people are, are a part of the conversation as well. Interesting. You really touched on my next question because IEBC obviously has a massive stronghold in the U.S. growing in Canada. There are some footprints internationally. Um, and I think the message of, you know, promoting inclusivity within economic development is super, is very important. Uh, do you have any strategies in mind about how to scale up the international membership for IEBC? So again, I'm just starting out, so I don't ha certainly don't have any uh, silver bullets to this issue. But it's clear that there's a strong desire, not just internally from IEC, but externally from our, our international partners, to engage more on these subjects, to be a deeper partner in this work. But I think there's also some conversations that need to be had around how do we help engage emerging economies in these kind of conversations. I think in many ways... Uh, we collectively as an economic development field haven't done a good enough of, a job of, of bringing countries and communities in all shapes and, and spec, you know, areas across the spectrum to the conversation and understanding how can we engage them? How can we not only invite them to our table, but, but show up at their tables as well. And so I think there's, there's a lot of deep conversations that need to happen over the next three to five years we need to figure out how do we build partnerships? How do we bring the resources that we have to bear, but also how do we complement what others are trying to do in this space and ensure that we're trying to lift one another up in these conversations? So I don't have a silver bullet there, and, and it's certainly going to be a focus of mine over the coming years. But I also know that there's a lot of other good ideas and other organizations that are doing great work. And so we want to collaborate. We want to learn from what they're doing and figure out how we as an organization and where we as an organization step into this void. Yeah, I think I think in the future it'd be great to see um, some European IPAs, uh, developing economies, uh, really IPAs from around the world join IDC. It'd be great to have an IDC annual conference in London or Europe. I think that would be awesome one one day if that was to emerge. And and as as your partner, uh, you know, Research Jeffy as a committed partner to IDC, not only as a sponsor but also as a as thought leaders, it, it would be an honor to help that ultimately IDC attract more international members. I think that'd be great for the whole international economic development community to be able to share best practices worldwide. Um, that's obviously an issue you'll have to tackle. One other thing you have to look at is how do you get more young people really into economic development? How, what's, what's your plan on that? Or is that still something you're going to build out? Well, again, it's something that we're going to have to build out. And this is a really complex issue. And it's not just affecting the economic development industry. It's happening on the infrastructure side. It's happening in local government. It's happening in industry. And, you know, part of, you know, the, they always talk about the silver tsunami of retirements that are coming. And I think that's absolutely true in the economic development field. But the really complex piece of this is in many cases, there are certainly some great examples of, of where this is happening, but in many cases, there's not a natural pipeline for people to come into the economic development field. Uh, one of the questions I ask any economic developer that I come into contact with is, is how did you get into this industry? Because at 10 years old, most of us are not saying, hey, I want to go do economic development. I want to be an economic developer. That's just not part of the natural uh, evolution of, of how young people think about what those jobs might be. And so I think we need to, number one, figure out what pathways can we create and, and how do we talk to young people about what economic development is and the role they can play and the variety of roles that they can play in that field. But also 
we need to think about how do we not just get young people into the field, but how do we also elevate those kind of emerging leaders in the field now to help them see and understand what that pathway is for future leadership. And we all know that we need to make sure we spend time, create some space, and think creatively about how we engage with, with young people not in the field and young people already in the field and ensure that we help people understand what economic development is. I think the storytelling aspect of that is so crucial. We collectively have to be able to, to tell the story of, of what it is we do and what economic development is, but we also have to be willing to raise the voice and stories of others in that, in that field as well. And so it's about engaging young people. It's about understanding what it is that inspires them. Uh, quite frankly, the service aspect of this industry is one that I think really resonates with young people. And we've got to do a better job of not just talking about the service aspect of this industry, but highlighting it and showcasing it and telling stories about why this is important and how they can be a part of a growing economy, but also how can they help those communities that really need assistance that, that have been left behind in the past to ensure that we're driving equitable growth across not just the United States, but internationally and, and the role they can play in that. What about at the post-secondary level? You look at some universities like Oklahoma, who I've known, uh, I know the IEDC is partnered with it currently and in the past. And also you look at the programs that are being produced, the cutting edge programs that are being produced like universities out of Southern Mississippi, but you don't see that, that, that many programs for, for building economic developers or teaching economic development. What do, you, do you think IEDC has a role in helping universities create these programs? What are your thoughts on that? I think we do. I think we do it. Oklahoma is a great example of, of a fantastic program. And we need to, quite frankly, we need to see more of that. And it's not just to me at the university level. There's also engaging with community colleges and other institutions to help them think about the role that, that they might play in this. But I think the IDC absolutely has a role in helping to elevate that to provide resources and expertise to universities that might have an interest in, in developing a program like that, but also to make sure that we're creating space for that to happen. Oftentimes, not just in the economic development field, happens in, in any lane of infrastructure, people get focused on their own lane and the work that they're doing. And we need to make sure that we can st stay zoomed out, engage those folks that are interested in thinking about these kind of programs, providing the resources that we can to help them along that path, but also creating some space for them to do that themselves. So I think it's a collective effort. IDC certainly is not the only one that's going to be a part of this, but there's a real opportunity in my mind to drive more of that kind of career pathway work, especially in universities across the country, to ensure that, that we are connecting with young people, helping them understand there truly is a profession, a long uh, legacy to, to help create for folks, and to help them understand that they can go back to their hometown or they can go to a new town to really create opportunity in those communities. And they can be a huge part of that, that work and of that trajectory for their community. Excellent. Now, shifting gears. Now, the economic development industry is in the midst of a change with the emergence of work from home from a work from home hybrid. How do you think economic developers could adapt to this transition, not only for their own professions, but also when they're recruiting companies uh, and, you know, having having companies come in and maybe employing half positions uh, live in a manufacturing plant or in a white collar job? And half of those positions now being remote and maybe hiring from around the country. What are your thoughts on this transition? So I think what this has done for us is is help us understand that we need to take a slightly different approach to the work that we're doing. It doesn't mean that we're throwing everything out that we've done in the past, but we have to understand life is not going to go back to what it was two years ago. It, it's just not. In most communities, it's going to look and feel differently. In most companies, it's going to look and feel differently. And so we've got to think about how do we set up communities 
across the country to be able to provide remote work opportunities and to think about how do we redefine downtown development and how do we think about how are we trying to drive opportunities for, for companies to participate in their communities, but also think about the kind of the regional aspects of that and, and not just thinking specifically to one community, but multiple communities across the region. I think for the economic development field writ large, we also have to think about our connection to other fields. So we can't only focus on economic development. We've got to understand that there's a connection between water and wastewater access. There's a connection between broadband access. There's a connection between transportation and housing. All of these things are interlinked and have a, dis a distinct and disparate part of the economic development field. We've got to be willing to recognize and understand our connection to all those things and help those infrastructure areas also understand their impact on the economic development field. Broadband obviously is a really key component to that to make sure that people can when they want to and where there's an opportunity to, they can work remotely. But we also have to think about how do we drive the housing aspects in communities of all sizes? How do we make sure that downtowns aren't totally left behind in this process? And ensure that we're providing the quality of life in communities of all sizes in all areas across the country and internationally that are going to allow for companies to accelerate their own growth, but also that, that the, the employees of those companies can live a high quality of life, be where they, where they really enjoy life, where they can find the balance that they're looking for in their own life and have access to all of those tools and resources that will allow them to, to work remotely where possible. And where, there's, where it's not possible or where there's service industries that have to be in person, how do we make sure that we've aligned the strategies in those communities to continue to support those industries? Speaking of transitions, I think we've seen, especially since 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement, that diversity, equity, and inclusion principles, DEI, have really become more to the forefront and are really being promoted more, especially within IEDC as well. Um, we've seen that equitable economic development can unlock the potential of you know, communities uh, with minorities. And I'd love to know your thoughts on how IEDC will continue to push these principles and maybe result in some you know, live action outcomes uh, with in the community and the industry. This is such a critical aspect of the work. And IEC for the past two years has been really intentionally and strategically, not just thinking about this, but starting to execute on it. We created uh, a, what we call our Red Committee, the Racism and Economic Development Committee, which is a, a group of about 50 economic developers from, from across our membership, specifically focused on how do we prioritize the role that economic developers can play to eliminate structural racism in our economy and support opportunities to increase wealth, especially in communities of color, but, but, but frankly, in all, all communities. We have really specifically focused on trying to embed racial equity into the economic development profession. We've done that through research projects on, on how do you invest in communities of color. We have done a biweekly web series called Take, Take Action Against Racism. We have updated our professional development training courses to include equity curriculum. And we just recently launched the Equitable Economic Development Playbook, which aims to examine the structural racism in economic development and promote equitable practices. This is a major piece that we put out there with a great cohort of folks from, from across our membership to really think about how structural racism exists in economic development and what strategies we can start to put in place to start to break down those barriers. We're also complementing that with some specific TA directly into communities to start to execute and, and action uh, and have an action orientation towards this. I think you're going to see a lot more of this type of work from IDC in the future, 
I think you're going to see a lot more of it from the profession as a whole. But if we're not willing to step in and both recognize the structural racism that has existed and, and still exists in many areas and address and come up with ideas and provide resources to actually attack the issue, then we're doing ourselves and the communities we all collectively serve a disservice. And so my my I know from my perspective, this will continue to be a big focus for IEDC. It will continue to be a big focus for the economic development profession. And I think the other piece to this is how do we partner with others that are focused on this? How do we raise up and highlight stories of other organizations that are doing this and communities that are doing this and make sure that we are putting a spotlight on the important and strategic focus on this work across the profession? So I got to ask you a personal question now that we, we've asked you a, lot, a bunch of questions about, about work. We got to ask you a personal question. What was a better day for you? Get being named the IDC president or when Michigan State defeated Michigan in college football this year? <laughs> well, for those of you who don't don't know me yet, uh, as you can tell, I'm a I'm a huge Michigan State Spartan. Uh, I went to school there. Uh, I lived in the Lansing area for more than a decade and I, I bleed green. Uh, so Almost nothing surpasses a day where, where Michigan State is beating the University of Michigan in football or basketball. Uh, but getting the job at the IDC was kind of a lifelong dream of mine. And so uh, the individual moment, the thrill of, of beating the University of Michigan is always uh, a lifelong memory. But having the opportunity to, to lead this organization is something that's going to sustain me throughout my life and throughout my career. And so uh, the moment of, of the win uh, is, is incredibly memory memorable, but you know the opportunity to lead this organization and the offer was one of those times that I'll never forget. <laughs> it wouldn't be research uncensored without Bruce getting in a sports question. <laughs> <laughs> So for our, you know, we have a lot of international listeners and young professionals. Could you maybe let them know how they could get in touch with IDC, you know, join the organization, what it could do for them, any way they can, uh, you know, um, get in contact? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's lots of ways to, to engage with us. Um, obviously, our website is the easiest way to do that, which is IEDConline.org. But you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. You can engage with us on a lot of different social media, but you can also participate in webinars that we're hosting. You can check out our certification programs and understand the, the, the professional development opportunities that might exist. We have three conferences we host each year. Uh, the next one coming up is in June in Richardson, Texas. Our annual conference will be this fall, and that'll be in Oklahoma City. So there's lots of ways to engage uh, and start to understand the work that we're doing. We encourage anyone to reach out. We would love to have a conversation with you about the work that we're doing and quite frankly, to learn about the work that, that they're doing and see where, where we can help, where we can provide resources and opportunities to get engaged. Thank you so much, Nathan. We really appreciate you joining us. Um, and uh, I can't wait to meet you in person on the return to the road. And uh, thanks again. Thank you very much. It was great to be with both of you. I can't wait to have the opportunity to see you in person. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 